Let's look at a couple things here today. I want to speak to you on the subject of the sustaining victory. The sustaining victory. The word for today is sustain. Sustain in what God is doing. Speaking to you in your heart and in your life is he is bringing about the victory that he wants for each and every one of us personally. As we are going through the process this summer of the subject of restore, praying that God would bring about a move of restoration, that there might in turn be a move of revival in the land, we must understand that you have to sustain, you have to believe in the sustaining hand of God. One of the main reasons is because God doesn't operate. He's not, he's not constricted or influenced by time. He doesn't operate on a 24-hour schedule. He doesn't operate on a.m. and p.m. He, time has no restrictions or limitations over God. There's eternity past, eternity present, eternity future. It's almost like all one consuming moment with God. And so when we think about this, it's an interesting dynamic because it makes it hard to connect and identify with someone who's not constricted by time to people who are restricted by time. Because we know that we have only 24 hours in a day. You need your time to rest. We know that you only have so many uh, days in a week, so many days in a month, and so many months in a year, and so many years to your lifetime. So therefore, it took Jesus 32 years of preparation for just a few months of ministry. Now, for us in the flesh, we have a problem with that. Because 32 years would be over around half of your lifetime, or right there at it, depending on how long you shall live. But what we must understand is that God is not rushed. God's not delayed, but he's always right on time. And so, to understand what the restoring hand of God is about, you must understand the sustaining power of God. Sustaining. Supporting is what it means. To sustain, to support, to lift up, to give aid. To give resources, to give whatever is needed to bring about the substantial victory for what God is wanting to do. Now what I want you to know today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, is that God is wanting to do a work in your life and the devil wants to derail it. Amen. Before you begin to fire, the devil's already trying to cause you to misfire. He's trying to get you to put your eye on the wrong target. He puts things around you that you may be distracted. And if you'll become distracted, then you will end up doing the wrong thing. That's why Paul wrote in the New Testament, he said, Why is it that I find myself doing the things that I don't want to do and never doing the things that I really set out to do? Because the devil wants to come and distract. So therefore, we must understand something. Now let's go back and give a quick snapshot here. You remember that... Children of Israel was brought into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. After 70 years, King Cyrus gave a decree, and they came out, and 42,360 people went back and began to rebuild the temple at Jerusalem. Now, when they went to rebuild the temple of Jerusalem, they relayed the foundation. They, they built an altar. They relayed the foundation. They had a celebration of a lifetime, and then the opposition came. 
Now, for quite some time, there was no work that happened. No work that happened. Because this governor of the region, Tadaniah, came and he wrote these letters and the work ceased. And so for quite a few years, nothing happened. Matter of fact, probably for about 14 years, nothing really happened. So look with me, if you will, in chapter 5 and verse 1. And let's see what the Lord has to say for us. Well, in chapter 4 and 24, it says, Now the construction of God's house in Jerusalem had stopped. And it remained at a standstill until the reign of King Darius in the second year. But when two prophets rose up named Haggai and Zechariah, they rose up and they came to the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem in the same place of the God of Israel who was over them. They went to Zerubbabel, the leader of them, who was there in verse 2. And here's what he said. The prophets of God were with them and helping them. Now, let's do something here if we can. Flip over, if you will, to the book of Haggai. Go ahead and find your place there in Haggai. It's right after Habakkuk and Micah, uh, one of the prophets there. Let's look at what he says. And let's, let's see. And we see right here in these verses that he showed up. But let's see what he says. When he gets there. So if you go to Haggai chapter 1. You see the same thing here. It says in the second year of King Darius. So we see the same time. He came with Zerubbabel. Now here's what he said. Verse 2. The Lord of hosts says. These people say the time has not yet come. To rebuild the house. But the word of the Lord came. And here's what it said. Haggai chapter 1 and verse 4. It is time for you yourselves who live in paneled houses while the house of God lies in ruin. Now the Lord of hosts says this. Think carefully about your ways. Boy, now you know you're into something when God tells you to slow down and think carefully. He says, you have planted much but harvested little. You never you eat, but you never have enough to be satisfied. You drink, you never have enough to become drunk. You put on clothes, and you never have enough to even get warm. The wage earner puts his wages in a bag with a hole in it. Can you say amen? You ever felt like that? And the Lord of hosts says, think carefully about your ways. Go up into the hills and bring down lumber. Build the house of God. Then I will be pleased with you and will be glorified, says the Lord. Verse 9, you expected much, but then it amounted to a little bit. Big plan, big plans, little splash. When you brought the harvest into your house, I ruined it. This is my declaration. Why? Because my house still lies in ruin. Now, we know right here that we're thinking about a physical temple that they were building. In the Old Testament, it was the place where God dwelled. You remember? If you go back to Moses, he dealt in the, dwelt in the Ark of the Cherubim, and they built the temple, and he dwelt behind the Holy of Holies. Now, in the New Testament, he doesn't dwell in a temple made by hands, but we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, For do you not know that you were bought with a spirit? You are the temple of God. 
And so in the Old Testament, he was fired up because they were living in these illustrious houses. But the house of God where the Spirit of God dwelt lies, was lying in ruin. Now, there's a spiritual parallel there for us today because God's not taking inventory on what the physical building looks like, but what the spiritual building looks like. Amen or oh me. And so what is he telling us here? Well, we see the message that he spoke to them. If you go and look in verse 12, it says all of a sudden Zerubbabel heard it and the people obeyed the voice of the Lord. So now, flip back, leave your, mark your space there in Haggai because we're coming back there. Flip back over to the book of Ezra and here's what happened. The first thing that we see is there was the sustaining hand of God. <clears throat> what does it mean? It means that 16 years had passed since King Cyrus gave the decree. Go back to before that, 70 years had passed since they went into Babylon. God told Jeremiah the prophet, he said, when you go into Babylon, you might as well plant vineyards, have babies, and build houses because you're going to be there a while. But when 70 years are complete, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, to give you a hope and a future. I'm bringing you out. I'm going to rebuild the temple. He told Cyrus, He told Isaiah about a boy named Cyrus who would be born, who would become a king 100 years before he was ever born. God was calling him by name. Here's what I want you to know. That the same God that brought them out of Egypt was the same God that sustained them through the valley of despair, sustained them through the wilderness, brought them into the promised land. When they rebelled against God, God sent them into captivity. God sustained them in captivity. After 70 years was up, the sustaining hand of God that was with them before captivity, was with them in captivity, was with them after captivity. And God rose up and said, go back to Jerusalem and rebuild a temple. And as soon as they started doing something for God, all of a sudden the devil came a-running and it discouraged them all. The oppression of the enemy discouraged them all. And they went back to their houses and were defeated. Now you got to remember that for all this time they were living in an ash heap. You remember the city of Jerusalem was burned and it was laid waste. Nehemiah had not come on the scenes yet. When Nehemiah got the report from those in exile who had went, he came back and, and gave Nehemiah the report in chapter 1. He says, oh my goodness, it's bad. Oh my goodness, Nehemiah, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. The city of Jerusalem lies waste some 16 years later. Now here's the thing that I want you to know today and I want you to make note of is that the devil will discourage you and get you to the place that you are willing to live in an ash dump and be content with the ashes of the devil than to be content on seeking the voice of God. Amen, preacher. I wish somebody was out there this morning. I'm telling you today that he'll get you to the place where you're content with living in an ash heap instead of believing him for the victory. And you'll say, oh my goodness, pastor, it's so hard. I'm telling you, I've said these words. It's so hard. How can I be faithful? How can I persevere by the sustaining hand of God? After 16 years, some 14 years of them living in an ash heap, God rose up and he said, I tell you what, Haggai, you go back and get that bunch of children of Israel. Go back and tell Zerubbabel the same God that stirred his spirit 
16, 14 years ago to go and build a temple is the same God. It's telling him, rise up from mediocrity. Rise up from the bondage. Rise up from the expectation and the fruit of the devil. And go and make a difference. You've been able to build yourself paneled houses in the ash heap. Why hadn't you been able to build my house? The sustaining hand of God. The second thing we see is a sustaining word from God. Look with me if you would at verse 3 in chapter 5 of Ezra. At that time when they began to rebuild the temple, Tadaniah, the governor of the region west of the Euphrates River, rose up with his colleagues and came to the Jews and asked, Who gave you the order? And you remember this is the same governor that rose up and brought about the opposition and the lies and accusations last week in our sermon some 14 years ago to a point that he caused the work to cease. And when they, when they gained courage because of Haggai and, and Zechariah who came in and began to prophesy, well, they went back and began to rebuild. And you know what happened? When some movement started happening, you know what? The devil came back and said, who told you to do that? Who told you to do that? I'm telling you, folks, when you decide to do anything for God, there will be opposition. But the difference was, look at the difference here in this passage of Scripture. What are the names of the workers, they said? I want to write them down. I want to write them down. Who's constructing this building? But God was watching over the Jewish people. Could you write the, underline that in your Bible? But God. Circle that word, watching over them, that these men wouldn't stop building until a report was made to King Darius. Now, we are on our fourth king. There was Cyrus, and then his son Cambius, who's not mentioned in the scriptures after Cyrus died. Then there was another king, Smyrtus, who rose up, and now there was Darius. Now, this isn't the same Darius as found in the book of Daniel. It's a different Darius, the Mede. And here's what's happening. All of a sudden, those Jewish people says, you know what? We've got a word from God. God sent a prophet from the man of God. Now, here's how God spoke to people. He would rise up in the Old Testament. That's why the whole Old Testament is filled with prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Habakkuk, uh, Haggai, Zechariah, Obadiah, Amos. All these men were prophets. God would speak to them, and then they would go and speak to the people of God. Matter of fact, that's why it says in Hebrews chapter 1, God who in times past would speak to us, through prophets, signs, and wonders, but in these last days has spoken to us through his son Jesus. You and I, if we want to hear from God, we have what we call the word of God. The word of God. They didn't have a Bible like this. God would speak to them, would move on the men of God's heart. He would go and give them a word of God, and that's what he did with Haggai. He gathered that bunch of Jews together, some 42,000 of them. He said, well, how is it that you live in a paneled house and my house lies in ruined? How is it would be the application today that we spend so much time adorning the outward body, yet the inward man lies in ruin and decay? How is it that we would spend so much time uh, making sure that our hair's in place, our makeup's fixed, our, our clothes are pressed, and all the outward adorning is in place so that we can face the world, but we spend no time on the temple of God on the inside? Are you out there? Amen. 
I'm telling you today what God is saying is he got that bunch together and he said, how is it that the sustaining hand of God has never left you? The only thing you've managed to do is build houses for yourself and do nothing for me. And all of a sudden, the word of God began to speak, and it began to rattle in those old boys' bones, and it began to build a fire inside of them. I want you to know today what we need is a word from heaven. We need a word from God to get shut up inside of our bones. I tell you today, I'm telling you that the devil is always opposing. Quit worrying about what's happening in the world and going on around you, and worry about what's happening on the inside of you. Quit worrying about politics. Quit worrying about politicians and rulers and kingdoms, and worry about the king of kings and the Lord of Lords. Make sure your vertical relationship is right before your horizontal ones are. Amen. They got a word from God. A word of God will sustain you. In Haggai chapter 1 and 2 verse 8 and 12 through 15 we see that word from God that was spoken to them. Oh today my brothers and sisters in Christ the one thing that will sustain you is a word from God. Our religion will get you high and it will leave you low. Friends will motivate you and discourage you all in the same sentence. But I'm telling you that God, that God when he speaks into you, when he gives you a word, I'm telling you, you can take it to the bank. His word is sure. It is steadfast. Whether we are faithful or faithless, he is still faithful. The sustaining hand of God upon our lives third thing we see here is not just the sustaining hand of God and the sustaining word of God, but the sustaining favor of God. Look in your Bible, if you will, in the book of Ezra, chapter 6. The rest of chapter 5 is a letter that the governor wrote to King Darius, <clears throat> accusing the Jews of being rebellious people again. We looked at that last week. He repeated it now 14 years later. But there was something different. Look at what it says in chapter 6. King Darius gave the order to search the library uh, in Babylon, in the archives. And you know what he found out? Verse 3. He found in the first year of King Cyrus that a decree was issued to rebuild a temple at Jerusalem. Are you with me, church? And they went back to rebuild these the house of God. Now look at verse 6. Here's what happens. He, here's what, oh, this is good. So look at verse 5. And the gold and the silver articles that Nebuchadnezzar took, King Cyrus gave them back and said, take them to the temple of God. In verse 6, therefore, Darius, here's what he says to Tataniah. This is his response. You remember? Tataniah, the governor, wrote a letter and he said, search the archives and see that the previous king said for the work to stop. And so he searched it and he went back and the Jews said, no, you go back and you search further and you'll find the favor of God that brought us out and sustained us. So Darius went back and he searched the records all the way to the archives of Babylon. When he went to the archives of Babylon, you know what he found? The favor of God that was a word from God and a pagan king that began to rise up and that pagan king let the children of Israel go back and begin to rebuild the temple. And so here's what King Darius tells that pagan ruler on the west side of the Euphrates. Therefore I made a search and I found out that the Lord God of heaven spoke and released the children of Israel to go back and rebuild the temple. Therefore, you, old boy, 
Stay away from them. Uh-huh. Are you out there, church? Come on, help me out here. Yeah. Hey, he says, stay away from them. Look at this, verse 6. Stay away from that place. Oh, hey, Mr. Governor. The governor of the region west of the Euphrates River. Tell your colleagues to stay away from them. Tell all the officials in that region to stay away from them. Leave. Woo. Mercy. Get your pen out and underline this. Leave the construction of the house of God alone. And let it be rebuilt in its original place. Can you say amen, church? I hereby, King Darius, issue a decree concerning what you must do and the elders so that the Jewish people can rebuild the house of God. Oh, by the way, Mr. Governor, the area that you rule over, pay for the temple to be rebuilt out of your taxes that you collect. Can you say amen, church? I mean, listen. Not only have I made a search, I'm so glad you reminded me of this, Ted and I, I found out that I want you to pay for it. Oh, my goodness. Look at this. Pay for it out of the taxes, out of the royal revenues from that region west of the Euphrates, Euphrates River. Look at this. Underline it. So that the work will not stop. And whatever is needed, Tadaniah, Mr. Governor, whatever is needed, bulls or rams or lambs or burnt offerings to the God of heaven, whether it's wheat, salt, wine, oil, as requested by the priest of Jerusalem, you provide it every day without fail. It's somebody in the house of the Lord this morning. I mean, every day you provide it without fail for them so that they can offer sacrifices pleasing aroma to God of heaven and pray for the life of the kings and the sons. Oh, by the way, Mr. Governor, I also issue a decree concerning any man who interferes with my directives, let a beam be torn out of his house, placed in the public square, and him hung upon it because he interfered with the work of God. Mm. And may his house be made into a garbage heap. So Tadaniah the governor in verse 13 carried out what the king decreed. Oh, I'm telling you that there was a sustaining hand of God that brought the children out of Egypt, brought them into the promised land, brought them from the promised land back into captivity, out of captivity into the promised land. And then all of a sudden they were in despair. They didn't think they could go home. But in due season, God raised up a man of God with a word from God to say, don't look to the right, don't look to the left, don't look to the government, look to heaven, the author and finish of your faith, and you may walk in victory, and you may have success and that you may have a sustaining hand of God, a word from God, and a favor of God upon your life. This sermon really became overwhelming for me the last couple of days because I realized there was another prophet who spoke these words, Habakkuk, he said in the third chapter, though the fig tree doesn't produce blossoms, Though the grapes don't give forth wine, though the olives don't produce oil, though the flocks of the field die and the stalls of the barn are empty, 
yet I will trust in the Lord God of my salvation. For he makes my feet like the feet of deer that can run up to the high places. I am telling you today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that no matter what's going on in your life, if you will trust in the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, the God of your forefathers, the God of the resurrection, the God of the cross, the God of the victory, He will deliver it to your life. The sustaining hand of God in your life is greater than anything else. Because if you will trust in the hand of God, the word of God and the favor of God, you will have the victory of God. Let me wrap this up for you. Chapter 6, verse 13. The devil had to carry out God's command. I could spend a lot of time on that. So the Jewish elders prophesied, prophesying to Haggai and the prophet Zechariah, and they finished the building in verse 14 towards the end of the scripture. According to the command of God and the decrees of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, the house was completed on the third day in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. Four years later, it was finished. And then on April of 516 B.C., the Israelites gathered together in verse 17 for the dedication of the house of the Lord, and the exiles observed the Passover. On the 14th day of the first month, and they began to worship God. No matter what's going on in your life today, there is a God who will sustain you when their devil opposes you. Now, what he wants you to do is he wants to keep you cut off from the word of God. Because if he can keep you cut off from the word of God, there will be no power of God in your life. For faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from the Word of God. And today, my children, I want you to know today that God has a plan for you, but the devil wants you to think that God doesn't love you anymore because of decisions you've made or decisions somebody else has made. He will make you think that, the, that all of heaven is given up on you. I want you to know today, I want you to realize that the whole world may give up on you, but all of heaven is still cheering for you. All of heaven is still there encouraging you, equipping you, and giving the favor for you that you may walk Walk in victory. God has a plan for you. He'll make you think the hand of God's been removed from you. Oh, yes. Go back to the book of Haggai. God says, I, I made the harvest not come. I made the rain not come. I created the droughts. There's preachers on TV that will tell you if you are walking through hard times, if you are walking through adversity, you must be backslidden. I'm telling you today that God says I want to get my children to the place where I can get them to hear from heaven. I want you to know that God's got a plan for you regardless of what's going on. Trust in the sustaining hand of God because of the sustaining word of God that you may walk in the sustaining favor of God and that you may enjoy the sustaining victory from God. Sixteen years later, the temple was built. Talk about a long building program. But it only took them four years once they got back in line with the Word of God. Four years. But yet it took them sixteen years. Church, quit calculating according to the world standard 
and grab hold of the Word of God. God is wanting to restore things in your life, and you are trying to do it by favor of the world, by favor of man-made books, when what you really need is a word from God. A word from God in due season will sustain you. The question is, will you obey it?